Thank you for joining us today. For more information about the church, campus locations, service times, and more, visit ecoegt.com. Also, stay in touch with us on social media by liking us on Facebook and following us on Instagram, at ecoegt. Now let's repair our hearts as we go into the message. Good morning, church. How you doing this morning? Amen, amen. I am so excited to be bringing the word this morning. How was everybody's Christmas? Awesome. Listen, Christmas was so great for the Howell family, and it was really special for, for me and my wife because this was our first Christmas with our brand new son, and uh, he, he is uh, nine or ten months old. Uh, he's, he's in between, he, but, uh, but it was so much fun. But I will say this. If I would have known just how cool wrapping paper and boxes were, I could have saved a fortune on Christmas. All he wanted to do was unwrap and play with boxes. That, that was it. He was completely content with that. So, uh, but that was just so much fun, a whole new experience. Because when you become a parent, it's like it changes the ball game on Christmas. It, it, the, the whole focus changes. It, you go from, from receiving to giving real quick, but it is a great, great change. And today is our last Sunday of 2019. Isn't that incredible? 2019 has flown by. It's been a wonderful year for my family. I know it's been wonderful for so, so many of us, but it is coming to an end. But not only is today the last Sunday of 2019, today is the last Sunday of the decade. That's pretty incredible. It is the last Sunday of this decade. In just a couple days, we're going to be walking into a brand new decade. So, so cool. But I am ready to jump into the word. I don't know about you. We're going to be reading from Acts chapter 16. And we're going to start uh, by reading verse, uh, verses 25 and 26. And it says, around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the other prisoners were listening. Suddenly, there was a massive earthquake, and the prison was shaken to its foundation. And all the doors immediately flew open, and the chains of every prisoner fell off. Today, I want to title my sermon, The Midnight Season. And what I believe we are going to do today is we are going to talk about the seasons of life. Everyone has to go through different seasons in life. I believe that today the Lord is going to guide us to reflect on past seasons of our lives. He's going to help us evaluate our current seasons, and he's going to help us look forward to the coming seasons in our lives. But I don't want to take the weight of what today is because this week we really are standing in a moment that people only experience seven or eight times in their life. And that is standing between two decades. In just a couple days, we will be entering the 2020s of this century. It's, it's incredible to think that my grandkids more than likely when in school are going to be taught about the 20s that I lived in rather than the roaring 20s that I heard about in, in school. That's crazy. But how cool would it be 
In the 1900s, the legacy of the 20s was the roaring 20s. How cool would it be that God did such a move that the legacy of these 20s will be the 20s of revival, the revival 20s, because I believe we are coming to a place where God wants to do a work in the church if we are willing to do it for him. Today, we are standing in a very similar place as Paul and Silas, because the scripture is so intentional to say that it was about midnight. We are standing in the midnight season of two decades. What does that mean? It means we're not where we were, but we're still not where we're going. It, it, we're, we're really not really in the, in, in the 2010 to 2019. We're like at the like really tail end, but we're not quite in the 2020s. Many times you find yourself in life and you can say, you know, I'm not where I was, but I'm not where I'm going. I'm kind of in a midnight season. We are not where we were, but still are not where we are going. To really understand the midnight season of Paul and Silas, I really believe we must first look at the time leading up to it. We must look to the past. In life, many times, we must be willing to look at the past in order to really look towards our future. And so to do that, we're going to go to verse 16 of Acts chapter 16 seeing the events leading up to their imprisonment. And it says, one day as they were going down to the place of prayer, we met a slave girl who had a spirit that enabled her to tell the future. She, she earned a lot of money for her masters by telling fortunes. She followed Paul and the rest of us shouting, these men are servants of the most high God and they have come to tell you how to be saved. This went on day after day until Paul got exasperated, so exasperated that he turned and said to the demon within her, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And instantly it left her. Her master's hope of wealth were now shattered. So they grabbed Paul and Silas and dragged them before the authorities at the marketplace. The whole city is in an uproar because of these Jews. They shouted to the city officials. They are teaching customs that are illegal for us Romans to practice. A mob quickly formed against Paul and Silas, and the city officials ordered them stripped and beaten with wooden rods. They were severely beaten. And then they were thrown into prison. The jailer was ordered to make sure they didn't escape. So the jailer put them into the inner dungeon and clamped their feet in the stocks. If you're taking notes today, my first point is this, the past season. We find Paul and Silas in a very difficult situation. You see, there is this young girl that has been filled with a demonic spirit and she is being used as a source of income for her masters. Her oppression was being taken advantage of. 
they were taking advantage of the bad situation that this person was in. Paul set this young girl free, but her freedom crushed the hopes of those masters of becoming very wealthy. And I just want to bring this out as a side note. But it is so important to recognize that sometimes people can't handle it when you get broken free because they liked it more when you were bound. Some people can't be happy for you because in your brokenness, you were valuable to them. When they could control you and when they could keep you in this place, that is where your value was. But because you have been healed by God, because God is doing a work inside of you, now they don't want anything to do with you. I don't know who I'm talking to, but there's someone in here that needs to understand. Sometimes you're going to have to let those type people go because they will never be happy for you. They will never celebrate the things that God has brought you through because they think you deserve to still be in that place. But you have to understand that God will bring you through whether they agree with it or not. He will heal that brokenness inside of you, whether they think you need to let that brokenness go or not. You see, in this moment, Paul did the right thing. But something so important needs to be understood. Their obedience to God was filled with pain. You see, I want to bring this to light because so many Christians in the church need to understand this. Our obedience to God does not provide a protection from the afflictions of the world. You see, when you I find this in a lot of new Christians is as, as they accept Christ, there's this euphoric and um, honeymoon phase, as you could say, with God. And everything's going right. It's perfect. It's great. And then something happens. And all of a sudden, they, they just go, oh, this is real life. Like, I still have bills to pay. I still have issues. I, I still have struggles. I still got that crazy family member. I still got all this stuff going on in my life. And all of a sudden, they're like, God, why do bad things happen to good people? That's such a question that people ask. That has been a question for centuries. A lot of non-Christians will say, well, if your God is so good, why do bad things happen to good people? And you know, I can't really give you an explanation to it. All I can give you are words from the mouth of Jesus. Matthew 5, 45 says, for he gives his sunlight to both the evil and the good, and he sends rain on the just and unjust alike. Matthew eleven six also says, and blessed is he who is not offended because of me. What these two verses tell us is this. God has a sovereign hand in everything. 
And though we may not understand the sovereign hand of God, Jesus says, blessed is he who is not offended because of me. What he is saying is just because I answered your prayers in a way that you didn't think I was going to answer them, don't be offended with me that your miracle came in a different package. You see, the, the Jews were looking for something different than Jesus. They weren't looking for a baby born in a manger. They were looking for a king born in a palace. But Jesus said, I didn't come that way because that wasn't the way I was meant to come. My sovereign hand, my sovereign plan was different. And because God's plan was different, he says, you're going to get offended by it if I do it differently than you want me to do. And so Jesus says, don't be offended if I do it any differently than you think that I should. We have to be willing to understand that the sovereign hand of God is more than sufficient in our lives. When things in our past don't work out the way that we wanted or thought that they should, we have to hold on to the Lord and know that his way is greater. Paul and Silas did the right thing, but they were treated as though they had done the wrong thing. They were treated as criminals. Sometimes doing the right thing will require being willing to go through some pain. You see, pain in life is inevitable. The reason there is pain in life, the reason that bad things happen to good people is because there is something called sin nature. Sin nature is in the world. It is unescapable by humans. We cannot escape the grasp of the sin nature. But my God is so good that he can take the pains of this world and use them for my good. Even the pain of my past can be used for my good. You see, the real question I believe Christians need to act when ask when reflecting on past pain is not why God do things happen, bad things happen to me. I believe the question we need to be asking God is this, how can I use my past pain for my future development? You see, as we end this decade, which I am sure has been filled with plenty of pain for many of us, I'm sure that there have been painful moments for all of us. May we not miss a moment to be able to evaluate the pain and the trials and ask God how it can make us better followers of him. How can I be a better follower of Christ through my pain? You see, Paul and Silas didn't let the, their afflictions of the last season stop them from entering in to their new season. Rather, they chose to have a mindset of joy. After being beaten, after being probably spit on and humiliated in front of hundreds and hundreds of people, they are taken to a prison cell. This is their new season. This is the new outcome. And they're sitting there and they chose to have a mindset of joy. They sang and praised and worshiped the Lord. You see, James 1-2 says, My brethren, count it all joy when you face various trials. 2 Corinthians 12, 9, each time he said, my grace is all you need. My power works best 
in weakness. You see, the grace of the Lord is sufficient for us today. The grace of the Lord that was sufficient for them in that prison cell is the same grace that is extended to each and every one of us today. But you see, the issue in a coming generation is this. We have a mindset of victimization. We have a mindset that we are always the victim. Someone is out to get us. And because we are the victim, because someone has done us wrong, we have no obligation to pick ourselves up by the bootstraps and move on. We want to say in this self-pity and in this loathing, You see, that is crippling my generation right now. They want to say, well, this person did me wrong and this person said that and and they treated me like this. But can I tell you that God is not looking for a people that are going to be victims. He is looking for a people that are going to choose joy even through the hard moments. There was a doctor of psychology by the name of John Graw who wrote an article on how to deal with past hurt. In this article, he lists five things that we must decide to do in order to fully move past something. And they are these five things. Number one, we must make a decision to let it go. Number two, we must make a decision to express our pain. We can't leave it bottled up. We got to talk about it, but we can't Only talk about it and never deal with it. Number three, we must make a decision to stop being the victim. Number four, we must make a decision to focus on the present. And number five, we must make a decision to forgive those who caused us the pain. You see, Paul and Silas dealing with this terrible situation chose to let the past moments go. They chose to express their pain through their worship. They made a choice not to be the victims of their situation. They focused on the moment that they were in and they forgave those who caused them the pain. We must be willing to do the same. I would even say this. We must be willing to push through the pain. And the push, the meaning of it, is pray until something happens. We have to be willing to pray until something happens. Paul and Silas find themselves in the prison cell, and you know what they say? We are going to worship God, we are going to pray, and we are going to praise until something happens. And they said, God, we need you to do something suddenly. We are at the pit of our lives. We are in the midnight hour, and we need you. We are at the darkest moment of our lives, and we need you. There is nothing that we can do, yet they called upon the Lord, they pushed through their pain because trials remind us how much we really need God. The trials of your life sometimes are there to just remind you how much you need God. You see, it's so amazing to me how quick we are to not need God when things are going good, but as soon as something bad happens, we immediately call on him. You see, we have to learn to trust God always. And sometimes we need trials in our lives to bring us back onto 
that path. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 10. That's why I take pleasure in my weakness and in the insults, hardships, persecutions, and troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Our strength comes from the Lord. Paul understood this, and today we have to understand this the same. Our strength comes from the Lord in hard times. Verse 25 says, around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening. Number two, the midnight season. We've addressed their past season. Now we're going to look at their midnight season. And today, I believe that each and every one of us stand in a midnight season right now. Somewhere in your life, you can probably identify a midnight season. If not just to say the fact that we are in the midnight season of two decades that we are standing between. The scripture says about midnight. Have you ever felt that way? Have you ever felt like it was about midnight? And you're sitting there and you're like, you know, I'm not, I'm not where I was. God has brought me so far from where I was, but I am so far from where I'm supposed to go. And sometimes you can be in that midnight season and you can feel lost. You can feel depressed. You can say, God has brought me so far. Life is good, but I just don't understand why I'm depressed. You see, I, I, I went through a, a season where I was living the life. I thought I had the greatest job. I thought I was doing something amazing. I mean, I had a job that people were, were jealous of. I, I was living the life, yet I was so depressed that I couldn't, I couldn't enjoy it. I was married. We, were, we had a great life. We, we, we had a house that we really loved living in. It was, it was awesome. The season was great. Yeah, I felt like I was in a midnight season. I felt like I was in a pit, and I didn't know why. It was because I had lost my praise. I thought, well, I'm here. And God brought me to that pit. And he brought me to that trial to humble me and break me down till all that I wanted was him. And all that I wanted was him to pour into me so much that all that would happen was he would just pour out of me. That was the desperation that the pit brought me. So I don't know where you find yourself, but I believe there are some of us in here that are in a midnight season. And there's a couple things that the midnight season represents to me, and I want to tell you about them. I believe the midnight hour and the midnight season represent the darkest moments. You see, it doesn't get much darker than the center of darkness. You see, midnight represents the center of darkness. It doesn't get much darker in a situation than when you are at rock bottom. And I believe there is a reason that many times our midnight season happens when we are at rock bottom, when we hit the darkest and deepest bottoms of our lives. 
because that is when God will be glorified. When you get so broken down and you get so low, when God picks you up, there's no glory to be taken for yourself. You're not gonna be able to say, well, I prayed that through and I tithed that through and I sowed that through. I fasted that miracle through. No, it is going to be. It is only by the goodness of the Lord that I am standing here today. It is only by the faithfulness of the Lord that he reached down into the pit that I was in and he picked me up in my darkest, darkest hour. But another reason I believe that God comes in the midnight season It's from a quote that I heard just recently. And the quote was this. Midnight is the first hour of a new day. You see, before the sun ever comes up on that day, God was there. Before the sun ever reached you in your pit, God was there. He is saying, I have been with you since the beginning. God is saying, it is a new day and I am here. I don't know about you, but there are things that I have cried over the last 10 years that I've decided I'm not going to cry over anymore. There are things that I have gone through that I've decided, you know what? I ain't going to go through that no more. I am going to claim this moment as my midnight season. When I walk into this next next decade, I am not going to walk in broken. I am not going to walk in defeated. I'm going to walk in with victory on my wings. I am going to trust the Lord that he is going to take me out of this midnight season. He is going to do something incredible. The second thing the midnight hour represents is a moment of transition. When we stand in the midnight season, we have to understand it is a season of transition. You see, something Paul and Silas understood is so important about this type of moment. It's about how you handle yourself in the midnight season. You see, if we are unable to move past the pains of yesterday, we will miss the moment of transition. You see, Paul and Silas took their midnight season and they turned it into a worship service. And what they were saying is, God, I am going to praise you no matter what. I might not understand how this is going to happen. I might not understand how I'm going to make it through, but you are going to do it. So what am I saying today? When you don't know what to do, worship the Lord. When you don't know what to say, worship the Lord. When you don't know where to turn, worship the Lord. When you don't know where to go, worship the Lord. And when they worship, verse 26 says, suddenly there was a massive earthquake and the prison was shaken to its foundation. All the doors immediately flew open and the chains of every prisoner fell off. You see, you might not know it and you might not know where or when the breakthrough is coming. You just know that you need a suddenly. I am here to talk to the people that are desperate enough to ask God for a suddenly. I am talking to the people that are going to say, I'm going to worship the Lord until something happens because I'm in a place of nothing changes. I ain't going to make it. I need God to come to this place and provide a suddenly for me. You see, Paul and Silas may not have realized the importance of their worship, but it was their worship 
that led to a suddenly moment in their lives. I am believing that the same suddenly moment that God brought to them can bring, he can bring it to your life this morning, this hour. Acts 16, 27, the jailer woke up to see the prison doors wide open. He assumed the prisoners had escaped, so he drew his sword to kill himself. But Paul shouted to him, stop, don't kill yourself. We are all here. Going down to verse 35, the next morning, the city officials set the police, uh, sent the police to tell the jailer, let those men go. So the jailer told Paul, the city officials have said to you and Silas that you are free to leave. Go in peace. But Paul replied, they have publicly beaten us without a trial and put us in prison. And we are Roman citizens. So now they want us to leave secretly. Certainly not. Let them come themselves to release us. Then the police reported this. The city officials were alarmed to learn that Paul and Silas were Roman citizens. So they came to the jail and apologized to them. Then they brought them out and begged them to leave the city. Point number three, the next season. I believe that in 2020, our church is going to walk into something that we have never walked in before. A new season and God is going to move in a mighty, mighty way. But this is also what I believe. I believe that God is going to minister through the experiences of our past seasons. You see, as I studied this passage, something didn't quite sit right with me and I couldn't quite really understand it. And, and, and really where it's found is found back in verse 20 and it says, the whole city is in an uproar because of these Jews. They shouted to the city officials. And, and it's kind of simple that you'll miss it, but... They single Paul and Silas out and they bring them and, and, and they're saying, they're making these accusations. They're these Jews. Paul and Silas, yes, are Jews. They were Jewish. But Paul and Silas were also Roman citizens because of where they were born. So Paul and Silas were given Roman citizenship at birth. And this is really needs to be understood because Roman citizens had rights that Jews did not have. You see, Roman citizens in that time had the right to a fair trial. They had the right to be tried before they were punished, but that right was taken away from them. And so they were beaten and they, and they were thrown into prison. All of things that were against what should have happened to a Roman citizen. And I'm thinking I'm about this whole story and I get to this point and I'm like, God, why wouldn't they have just said at the beginning, before the first rod was stroked across their back, why wouldn't they have just said, hold up, we're Roman citizens and we declare that we need a trial. They could have finished it right then and there and, and they, would have been, they would have been good. They wouldn't have had to have gone through this pain. They wouldn't have had to have gone through all this suffering. And I started to pray on that, and I really felt the Lord say this. I felt him say, if they wouldn't have gone through the pain, the if they wouldn't have gone through the pain, then the jailer would have never found me. How much is the salvation of a person worth to us? 
Is the salvation of a person worth going through a difficult season for? Our band can make their way up. You see, I believe that God is so good that he will take your pain and he'll take your situation and he will use it to bring others to him. But can I just be really, really honest with you for a moment? The same jailer that they extended this mercy to, they could have let that jailer kill himself. They really could. He, 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 he was like mid-motion of getting ready to kill himself when Paul shouted out to him. He says, we're still here. Don't worry. And he extended the hand of salvation to this jailer. Most people don't realize it, but this jailer would have most likely have been the person that would have been striking them with that wooden rod. You see, the jailer that would have inflicted the pain that they endured was the one that they extended the love of Christ You see, the people that have hurt you in the past might just be the very people God wants you to minister to in the future. The people that have caused you the most pain in your past might just be the people that he wants you to reach out and to minister today. Can we all just stand together? And in just a moment, I'm going to ask us just as a church to come down front and just to worship. But I'm brought to that midnight season of Paul and Silas sitting in that prison cell. They're like, God, we were on the right track. We were doing the right thing. We did everything that you called us to do. But now we find ourselves in a prison. I'm sure they were conflicted and confused. I'm sure they were hurting. They were bruised and bleeding. But in that moment, they find themselves crying out to God. And I just imagine being in that midnight season with them. And we don't know what they sang. We don't, we, we don't know what songs and hymns that they, they worship to. But there was a song that we sing and every time we get to the bridge, I'm reminded of Paul and Silas because I think that just might have been something that they might be saying. And I want us to go to the bridge because it talks about even when I don't feel it, even when I don't see it. Yeah. You're working. So church, 
you might find yourself in a midnight season in your life and you might say I don't feel God in this moment he has abandoned me I am in a pit and in a midnight season and I am here to tell you if you will call upon the Lord he will come down as quickly as suddenly and he will change that situation around and church I am believing as we walk into 2020 that as a church we are going to stand in a moment and we are going to cry out to God and we are going to say, God, this next decade is going to be our greatest decade ever. So as we sing this, I want us to come forward and I want us to worship the Lord.